Good evening and welcome everyone. My name is Molly Rowan Leach and I'm your host for this ongoing telecouncil series, Restorative Justice and Social Healing in the United States and Beyond. It's always an honor and a pleasure and a, such a robust and deep experience for me to connect with everyone. We have people that come to these events, virtual events, from all over the world. And I've just had the pleasure of conversing with you and with our special guests since last year. Um, and this continues and will continue indefinitely as it seems to be a, a very powerful platform for education, for connection, and understanding as we move forward towards a more humane justice in our world and a deeper understanding of our lives and our societies and systems themselves. So tonight, um, before I welcome our very special guests, I'd just like to say a few words about the technical aspects of our, our virtual room here together, and also to encourage you to please visit mollyrowanpresents.com to take part in any of the archives from this series. There's a growing library there. And it will also, of course, continue, uh, contain tonight's call. And um, just encourage you to go back there and check in. And there's a schedule there for upcoming guests in the weeks to come, um, including Michael Nagler of the Meta Center for Nonviolence and Libby Hoffman of Sambal Talk. And I'm very, very much looking forward to these uh, upcoming conversations. So without further ado, uh, this, this evening first of all, there's a very special inspiration that brings us together above and beyond the service, selfless service that's happening um, that comes through our guests. And it's uh, the life of River Phoenix. Um, his life was dedicated to peace and his humility even in his fame as seeing his fame as a way to spread peace even more exponentially is an inspiration to me and to people worldwide. So I'd just like to make a special dedication to tonight's call and in, in the memory and the continued spirit and energy of River Phoenix. So as you many, many of you know, tonight, uh, it's an honor to be hosting Heart Phoenix, Jeffrey Weisberg, and Dot Maver of the River Phoenix Center of Peace Building. That website is centerforpeacebuilding.org. Tonight we are going to explore the foundational grassroots aspects of regaining our human connectivity and underscore the consciousness and practices that support a more humane justice one that seeks to understand, amend, atone, and heal individual and collective wounds. It is my absolute pleasure and honor to welcome you, Dot, Jeffrey, and Hart, and to honor, again, the powerfully service-oriented and conscious life of River Phoenix. So tonight, I'd like to open by welcoming into the circle, first of all, all of us together, in this robust group from around the world. And to welcome Hart, if you would, to open up tonight by sharing the story. 
and any inspirations that you'd like to share that have brought you to this moment in your in your service, your work, and your life. Thank you so much, Molly. Thank you uh, for uh, inviting me, us, all of us, everyone that's listening on this call, and what a privilege it is uh, to be living in this day and age that we can speak with each other from all over, wherever we're tuning in from, uh, having this incredible technology that we can share our thoughts and our dreams and that we can have this connection with like-minded people. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm also incredibly grateful for the dedication of this call to River and and his life, which, uh, you know, it's amazing to me. It's almost uh, 19 years that he has uh, left the planet. And... um, so there's a whole new generation of people that really didn't really know him and will only know him by some old movies. But for those of us that uh, lived uh, a longer life, I would just say that River was uh, really, really unique in his um, ability to feel and his generosity to give and in his dedication to... Uh, to really sacrifice so much of his life for peace and justice, not only for humans, but for the earth and for the animals and for the uh, the disadvantaged. Um, he just had this kind of born with that kind of level of care where he could go into prisons at eight and nine years old, playing guitar and singing songs of hope to prisoners that, you know, most people wouldn't even want to look at and giving hugs and just, just in, you know, just kind of in his soul. So I really, really appreciate this opportunity to, um, to give you a little bit of a, a history in how we, uh, our family has wanted to honor uh, River's legacy and for years um, have thought about it and, and nothing seemed quite right. Um, and uh, then we decided that we would do it by creating the Center for Peace Building. And, and really, you know, I've been an activist for uh, over 45 years. I've had the privilege of being very free to travel the world, to learn about other cultures, to see um, third world countries, to learn about the earth and and her life and the incredible need and the way we were treating her. I've been able to go to conferences and trainings. I've offered trainings. I've had the freedom because I've been supported by my son, by River, and then by the rest of my children to kind of be the voice and the action piece of their lives while they were busy doing the things that they did. Um, that they felt called to do. So I, you know, consider my mission and my knowing and experience um, really a part of their support. And I guess the biggest, uh, the biggest gift that I did get from them is the amazing uh, gift of motherhood and what you learned, what I learned. Uh, about being a mother and about unconditional love and sharing and seeing everyone as my child in a sense. So that being said, um, we decided that we would start our own organization because 
of obviously we wanted to create a legacy forever, but also because uh, in all the times that I have been supporting other organizations and have been a part of of you know beautiful ecological movement, uh, working with some wonderful wonderful people, the peace movement, social justice circles. For for me, it wasn't the full picture. You know, this one didn't touch into that piece, and that one didn't touch into that piece, yet it was beautiful, beautiful work. And I knew that this wonderful work was doing, was happening in many, many facets of life. But I really wanted to uh, have an organization that was uh, connected to all of it. And I felt like River was the bridge because that's how he looked at it. It was kind of like he looked at it as, you know, we are not a minority. We, If we put all of us together, all of us that are doing this great work, we would see that the best-kept secret is that we are the great majority on this planet of good people willing to sacrifice, willing to commit. And so that's really um, how the Center for Peace Building was born. It was born out of that, and it was born out of an organization that River started um, 25 years ago called Eco Rica, and uh, we still had that organization. We still had a little seed money. And uh, one day a few years ago, Jeffrey and I and my daughter Liberty had this idea of, oh, my goodness, let's uh, create a um, – Let's create a, a, an organization. Let's take this thread and rename it and use the money that's in it, this nonprofit money, and create this organization. And that is what we did. And my husband, Jeffrey, of course, was a huge part of it. And eventually our dear friend, Dot, and I'm sure that will come out. More will be revealed. I think I spoke enough already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so inspiring and so deep, and I love the even in River's name, you know, River being a bridge and the river of peace that flows mm. between us and, and interconnects us, um, and that we are in fact the majority. Um, and I, I I just want to take a moment too to please um, just make it, it it known because I think I forgot to mention tonight's call. Um, when you have a question, just go ahead and press 1 on your telephone keypad. I'd like to be able to leave that open invitation for you to be able to make a comment or ask a question to Hart, Jeffrey, or Dot tonight. So um, just know that you can press 1 on your keypad, telephone keypad at any time. So Hart, did you want to go ahead and, and uh, hand over to Jeffrey at this point? And Jeffrey, um, I'd love to hear from you. Your, just your, what, what has compelled you in your life? What, what, what has brought you to this moment? Thank you. Thank you so much, Molly. And it's such a pleasure to be on the call. I love uh, the fact that folks may be calling in from all over the world. As Hart mentioned, that technology piece of connecting people uh, is is a huge part of this new revolution of, of peacemaking and peace building. Um, so let's see. Uh, there's a lot of inspiration that led me to this point. Um, I I um, met Hart uh, about 21, 22 years ago up in Massachusetts while I was living in an intentional community. 
and an environmental education center called Earthlands in, in uh, Massachusetts. And uh, I had lived at an ashram called Kripalu for a couple of years and um, just went through this amazing renaissance of, of awakening and recognizing that um, we have the power to create what it is that we want. And, um, and Hart and I got together really doing this kind of deep work. Um, some people call it sacred circles, deep truth-telling, revealing within each of us that amazing spark and inspiration, the innocence and, and um, place of uh, reverence for, for all life. And, and that it's a process of uncovering um, what what that really is through uh, sacred circles and and um, the kind of work that we did together for years and years and years and um, part of that work was uh, doing the peace work that Hart and I um, joined the Peace Alliance before the Peace Alliance actually it was the Global Re Re Renaissance Alliance and um, that work was about bringing together uh, a sacred conversation with the politics, and um, and then we joined the board of the Peace Alliance and started moving forward with this legislation to create a cabinet-level Department of Peace, which some people on the call may be familiar with. There's also a global initiative for departments and ministries of peace, which Dot may talk a little bit about. And and so uh, Dot was the the uh, chair of the board, and I was the secretary, and we worked with Marion Williamson and and other people, and that's actually how we met Dot. That at a certain point we um, met her and a few of her colleagues, and she joined uh, forces with us to uh, build the organization of the Peace Alliance. And um, and what came from that for me was a realization that. That is a slow-moving endeavor to create a cabinet-level Department of Peace through the legislation, and you know it, it just—it's—it's it's just going to be a, a while until that happens. And so the inspiration for me was to bring it to a local level: is how do we how do we build peace in our own lives and in our own homes and in our community? And that was a, a huge inspiration of. Uh, manifesting the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding here in Gainesville is to bring together the best practices of peacebuilding and highlight the ones that are really proven to uh, contribute to a, a safer and, and more vibrant community. And um, so I uh, am, am just here on this call with a great appreciation for the peacebuilders in my life and the peace builders on this planet, like Hart said, there's we're, we're I, I believe in many ways a majority that that we feel strongly that the faces of peace are the bus drivers and the the garbage people and the police and the fire firemen and women and um, that in any act in any walk of life we can be a peace builder and so I've, I'm dedicating my life to mastering that. Uh, skill and ability myself with the great support of my wife. We've been together almost 20 years and and Dot, uh, who is one of my greatest 
champions and, and mentors. Um, so that's a little bit of, of what drew me to this work and, and why I'm here tonight. Thank you. Mm. Well, thank you, Jeffrey, and thank you for your very deep dedication, lifelong, to the interconnection between the inner and the outer aspects of peace building. And um, I'm looking forward further on tonight to exploring kind of the 50-foot level of structure and systemic change with you a little bit more around restorative justice practices um, and such. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. Mm. Uh, so as we turn now to you, my dear Dot, um, what would you like to share with the circle tonight around uh, what, what's brought you here to this moment in time? Oh, thank you, Molly. It's a great joy to journey with you, and thank you for providing this venue to give voice to so many who are embodying and expressing the spirit of peace. And to Hart and Jeffrey, what a delight, as always, to stand in triangle with you. And, you know, it, it, it touches me as I listen to both of you sharing and as we are working so closely together now as, as we bring forth the River Phoenix Center for Peace Building, we each have a story. Every one of us on this call tonight, every one of us on this beautiful planet we all call home, we each have a story. And because the essence of life itself is relationship. And so when, when I think, Molly, about what has brought me here, there are two very personal things that have brought me to this moment in my life. And they happened at, a, at tender ages. And one oh. was a, an act of violence that I, I was going to commit at the age of 13 and saw the other, saw me in the other, and it changed me forever. And the second was a, a suicide of a, a young, a young uh, softball player that equally changed me forever and created a dedication moment for me around oh. meaning and purpose and helping, to, helping everyone recognize that they are a great one and that essentially uh, we are indeed all very purposeful and uh, leaders in life. So, but at the heart of it all, for me, Molly, is the ageless wisdom. And the wellspring of my life is uh, all, uh, the heart of all the great spiritual traditions and philosophies that, for me, I, I call it the ageless wisdom, as it is termed by many. Uh, as Helena Blavatsky has said, there is no religion higher than truth. And so when I think about essential relationships and the principles and the practices that any of us hold dear, that's really what brings me here. And I love to bring people together, bring groups together, inspire cooperation on behalf of the common good ever since I was little, doing that with magic shows and every other witch <laughs> thing on the block. Now I love to do it with the National Peace Academy in the United States and the River Phoenix Center for Peace Building and the Global Alliance for Ministries and infrastructures for peace and so many other great things push for peace with summer of peace and the international day of peace 2012 and of course as everyone on this call i'm i can almost uh, from the inner point of perspective right now see everyone's head nodding uh 2012 is our year 
This is a turning point. It's a tipping point moment. And so for all of us, it's an all-hands-on-deck moment. And so for me to come together in Gainesville with the Phoenix family and work collaboratively in the greater Gainesville area, helping all of us learn to resolve conflict uh, through healthy communication and thereby breaking the cycle of violence and creating a safer community, it doesn't get better than that right now. Wow. <laughs> so it's just, um, I'm very moved by what we have uh, in front of us here in, in what, you're, what I'm hearing and what I've sensed about the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding is uh, this really powerful awareness of, of uh, the community-based uh, change agent, you know, the individual and the community and the power that we have right, right under our noses and right, right in our community to, to uh, begin and to also connect. And I was sort of joking um, about connecting the dots um, before we got on tonight together. Um, uh, you know, it, it's really true that as we, as we begin on a local level, um, we discover ourselves uh, in the process, as well as um, you know, working towards systemic change and, and relational connections with the existing systems themselves. And so um, given, given that we have, uh, again, I'd like to remind everybody, please uh, press 1 on your keypad tonight if you'd like to ask a question or chime into the conversation. And uh, I'll, I'll make sure to, to get to you. Um, but to open a little bit more of a 50-foot level conversation. I've unmuted your mics, Jeffrey Dot and Hart. And so I'd like to just ask the question. Um, first of all, it's a two-part question. What, what does restorative justice mean to you? And then also, what do you feel are the key elements of a systemic change in justice? And I'd like to start out uh, with you, Jeffrey, if I might, with that question. And uh, then we can just kind of go organic um, uh, from there. Sure. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I'd, I'd like to just say briefly, um, uh, one one piece about our center that that there's three primary areas uh, of our focus within our strategic plan. Uh, the first uh, is to offer programs and services that that we would produce ourselves, um, like peer mediation, restorative circles, uh, communication, skill building, and and things like that. Things that Hart and I have passion around and that we have skill in. But other people could do programs through us as well. The second component is to build alliances within the peace building community that locally in particular, that there's so many different organizations and services that uh, exist in Gainesville, and yet a lot of people don't know that they're there and that there are resources available. And so how can we strengthen the fabric of that? Uh, community and, and force and uh, and highlight them and then the third component is uh, is 
building a model that is translatable to other communities around the world. Mm-hmm. And and with the reason I, I wanted to just offer that to to the folks on the call is, you know, that's a lot of action, and yet the foundation of that action is really starts with the personal. That mm. we're, we're not anti-war, we're pro-peace. And the distinction of that for for us, I'm speaking for Hart and Dot because we, we, we live this so much and we strive for this, is that, you know, what works? What can we do within ourselves or together to really promote right relationship with one another? And, of course, there's conflict and disagreement and annoyance and <laughs> stress and, and all of those things. But if we are, if our leading edge is to focus on and highlight what works and what's possible, then uh, it literally opens doors and hearts and paves the way for uh, incredible collaboration and, and movement of projects of energy and of uh, sustainable growth. So, uh, Jeffrey, I, I I'm going to jump in real quick here because we we have a hand up. And I'd love to, to, to just um, open it up to you, Mike. Did you want to make a comment or ask a question? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, I, I, this is, uh, I'd like Mike. to uh, say, yes, Dot. I'd like to say hi to Dot and Martin <laughs> Jeffrey, my dear friends, dear, dear hi, friends. Hi, Mike. <laughs> and colleagues in, in peace building. Hi. I'm so happy to hear about uh, the more about the River Phoenix Center and, and how you came about doing it. And uh, the reason I put my hand up um, was uh, when you said earlier, Jeffrey, about uh, you know that, that we're probably the majority, most of us. And I just read an article a couple of days ago in the uh, Noetic Post from the Institute of Noetic Sciences, um, which called Archetypes of Change in a Digital Age. And it talks about how the cyber generation, the author of the article talks about cyber heroes. It's like cyber heroes are the new archetype from the, the hero, and now we have the cyber hero, and how so many people in cyberspace are showing compassion and helping people around the world instantaneously. And um, so to me, that's like you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, Paul Ray talked about cultural creators, and I think now we have cultural creators in cyber, cyberspace. And then what you're doing locally in, in Gainesville, and you want to make that a model, is perfect, because I really see that the, the way the world is headed the top-down kind of architecture that we have for our the way we govern ourselves, the way we make group decisions, is withering away on the vine, so to speak, mm -hmm. and being replaced by a bottom-up kind of thing. And I think we're going to be seeing networks of communities mm -hmm. that are going to be taking the reins and being the real healthy way to the future, mm -hmm. both for resilience and adaptivity in case of climate change and other shocks, as well as for peace building, as you're doing, and making a model that you can share with other communities around the country and around the world it's perfect. It's right in that right in that wave. Nice. And that's a beautiful confirmation. Thank you so much for that, Mike. Can I just say something? <laughs> just jump in. This is hard. Uh, you know, I, I would say that one of the biggest blessings of working in a local community is that it really does become intimate and personalized. That the very same dreams that we had on the national level 
we bring to you know a smaller community and you get to meet all the players you get to meet the chief of police mm-hmm. you get to meet the lawyers the, the the you know the legal system you start to meet these people and you meet them day after day and all of a sudden you have a real real relationship as human to human uh-huh. that that is that is the key that is Absolutely. the key to opening the soul and 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 that's that's the power of what we're experiencing mm-hmm. right now, and that's why Dot I think is moving to Gainesville. <laughs> yes, in, in fact, I'm so happy to comment on that because I loved your question as well. And Mike, thank you for for putting in that your comments because when I think of um, restorative justice, well, 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 and back up when I think of re- retributive justice or a punishment system, as some would call it, that actually focuses on uh, violations of law. Mm-hmm. But restorative justice, as we know, focuses on violation of people and relationship. And so from from our perspective, and it, Jeffrey, you speak to this so beautifully, um, when we talk about restorative justice and we talk about um, healing, Really, and and so the key, the system, first any kind of systemic change, at the heart of it, the key is a shared vision or a shared purpose, uh, individuals or group coming together around a shared intention, and that's one of the beautiful things that that heart just makes us mindful of, as she just shared. That's happening in Gainesville. Everyone is talking about how we come together and break the cycle of violence through proactive peace building it's it's prevention it's intervention it's prevention and it's proactive peace building mm-hmm. mm. I, and i must i must just hop in here because that's ex- it, what you bring up heart is very exciting to me to hear uh, of the bridges being built between um your community circle and the the existing representatives within the system that that we're not saying, you know, oh, these these people are, you know, we can't reach them. You know, the system is so broken, and you know, we're actually we're actually uh, striving to to connect with the existing system as well. And I'm just curious to know um, because I see this as an essential element uh, right now, um, and even in the community that I'm in. Um, in our restorative circle processes, we're really getting to understand the, the power of relationship and the depth of that and the importance of it in building the bridges and links between the essential aspects of restorative circles and, and justice. Um, so could one of you just kind of share with us a little bit about what does that look like in, in your community? How, how does that work for you? What, what kind of things are you doing in Gainesville um, to make make connections with uh, the existing systems, such as the the judges or the DAs or the you know the prisons themselves? Um, how does that look? Well, um, you know, we uh, for the longest time we've kind of we live out in the country, away from from Gainesville, in a really beautiful spot and. And so, in some ways, we've we've not been that engaged in the community, and yet here we are approaching folks that we don't know or know well, and it, it has everything to do with how we be with them, 
and and I think some of it for me I learned doing lobbying for the Department of Peace in DC that when we go to our congressman's office who is uh, a different political worldview as as I am you know it, mm-hmm. it had to do with finding the common ground and looking mm-hmm. at acknowledging and and uh appreciating the intention of who they are and what they're trying to do. Um, And we may have different strategies of how we approach certain things, but to be able to meet each other in that place is one of the things that has really kind of dissolved certain differences, ideological differences or worldview differences, and opened these doors. And so it's a fundamental approach of building relationship with one another. And, and again, we're, we're focused on what works. And so instead of going in to say, we want you to do this different or we think this should happen and that should happen, people rather quickly lose their defense and begin to open up into a dialogue. And as we offer different programs and services to the community, people are saying, oh, my God, we need this. We need this. We are, there is no shortage of need for peace building in, in any community. And that is one of the driving forces that we're seeing in Gainesville is there, there is a profound need uh, within. And so people recognize that. And one of the unique things is that it is a relatively small town of about 150 people. That was just to see if we were paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) So 150,000 people, you know, is is, um, there's room for people to know each other. And, and it seems like that's a, a big part of what's helping us to connect and get open doors. And also we recognize that it's going to take some time. We need to, um, in many ways, produce. What are the, the best programs and services that we can deliver or that we can bring in from outside? And once we get these evidence-based programs in, in action, um, and people can actually experience them, then the way is, is paved much much more clearly and, and easily for folks. And so what is happening yeah. already, and as you've, uh, as Jeffrey lays this out, and it is all about relationships and uh, connecting rather than convincing, certainly, and the, the shared need and vision for the community for all of us. So what's happening already is through the... Um, Juvenile Justice, Department of Juvenile Justice, um, Jeffrey and his team are offering community service hours uh, for restitution as part, of, as part of that. And those hours are basic peace-building skills. Uh, and he, Jeffrey, you, you better talk more about the detail of that. But it's, it's like the real oh. basic communication and anger management and the basic skills that are necessary uh, for any of us uh, as human beings to be in, in right relationship with self, others, and the world around us. And then we are exploring with the United Way, 
about uh, offering social-emotional skill learning uh, for children and volunteer training throughout the community. And we're in partnership with the University of Florida. And um, again, Jeffrey, you should talk about the program piece, but it's already in action, peer mediation in, uh, one of the, in a number of the schools, but particularly the school that is directly affiliated with the fourth largest university in the United States, the University of Florida, and law students working directly with Jeffrey. And, uh, and we could go on. Each of the various constituencies in the community uh, in dialogue with us as we seek to really um, help inspire cooperation uh, around all of us working together to create that safer community in very pragmatic ways. And you're right, Molly, nothing can be left out. You know, I, I just want to say that um, it, this has been such a transformative experience for me personally. My, you know, I feel like I've, um, you know, been a pretty loving person, been in service for a gazillion years. And um, this has stretched me and expanded me when I have gotten to know the other people that I never would have partnered with or been friends with or even interested in or really, really thought about what is it to be a sheriff or a police officer? What do they have to look at every day? Who picks up the pieces oh. after a traffic accident? I mean, how, how much do they deal with? How much do they clean up that I'm not aware of? When I start to meet them and hear the stories, my heart has gotten so big, and I am so grateful just on a deep personal level. Talk about personal spiritual growth. This has been an amazing experience, you know, kind of entering into an arena that is totally unfamiliar to me. Um, so I, I just wanted to add that because I think it's important. It's also, you know, it's all about all of us. It's about all of us. It's not our being able to convince them that, you know, you need these peace-building skills. I need, I need to embrace them. They're they have they have a place. We we went just the last thing I'm gonna say, but we went to a special meeting with the law enforcement dot Jeffrey and I, and uh, I opened it up by saying, "You call yourself law enforcement, we look at you as like peace builders, because ultimately that's really what they're there for, and that's what they want to be." Uh, so that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's that is we. so beautiful. The big we. And Hart, would you share just a little bit about the interrupters? Because that, that was our first big event, introducing the River Phoenix Center to the community. Yeah, I'm just concerned that people aren't going to have a chance to ask questions. Um, oh, we have okay. like three minutes for that, um, Molly? We, we have, uh, there's an open invitation to the circle tonight, again, to press one on your keypad if you have a question okay. or a reflection. And so that's the way we're rolling. And so okay. I'll make sure to get to people. But okay. go ahead. And then let's come back around, too, to, um, to Jeffrey, uh, sorry, the Jeff. programming piece. And um, uh, I have a personal story that really ties into your experience as well, Hart. So maybe we'll see where this leads tonight. Good. Well, just really, really quickly, um, there is a movie that probably you've heard, documentary, an award-winning documentary, The Interrupters. 
And what we decided to do was bring it to Gainesville. It's about gang violence in Chicago. It's about an amazing uh, group that was started by an epidemiologist who discovered after years and years of, of medicine and trying to figure out how epidemics start, um, realized that, that violence is an epidemic and that it is a learned behavior. It is a disease and it's contagious. And so he created this organization, Ceasefire, and within it he has these incredible people called violence interrupters that are people that have been rehabilitated. It is all about restorative justice. It's about people that have been either murderers or uh, felons in, in robberies and, you know, brutal, brutal actions, really. And they come out um, changed through different areas of um, trainings uh, through this organization and they go back into the community that they were from just kind of like an antibody and help change it anyway we brought the movie in we got the buy-in from the chief of police the sheriff the state attorney's office the university of florida you know big black on black crime task force and we also funded bringing in one of the violence interrupters that was featured in the film and there were over 300 people that came to the event it was the largest event of multiracial variety diverse um diverse uh, socioeconomic um constituency there were kids there were you know law enforcement there were judges there were teachers there were therapists there were you know normal people <laughs> people that just kind of lounged around so anyway that was a major major thing for us to do and when was that hard when when was that again? that was just exactly a month ago mm-hmm. uh-huh that was a and month that ago. film is circulating um people can can now yeah. find it online is that yes true? yes and i think you uh-huh. can go on frontline um, there, I think on Frontline's um, website you can see it. And also on YouTube, <laughs> if you uh, go to the Interrupters, there's a trailer or several different trailers that you can see about that film. It's, it's, but that's an example um, of one of the kinds of things that we bring. Our, our mission is to provide and promote the best practices and principles of peace building and global sustainability. And so we can do some of those things ourselves, and then we, we um, tap into the vast network of peace builders throughout the country and the world and bring some of those best practices to our local area is part of our approach in that. But, Jeffrey, but, could you tell us a little bit about the, the community service programming and, you know, I, I I know for myself and probably many others in the United States and beyond um, who are very interested and inspired by restorative practices and restorative justice, um, kind of like uh, also wondering, well, where do we begin? And how do we make, you know, how do we um, connect to create a program like what you're doing with uh, the, the community service program mm-hmm. and other programming? Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful question and a, and a, a lifelong discovery process, I think, in some ways as well. But you know, what, what, uh, what's being revealed in this conversation for me is, uh, and, and it's pretty inspiring, because what I'm seeing is that restorative justice or restorative practices is much bigger than a, a circle, 
a circle process or getting a victim and offender together and, and elements of the community. Restorative practice has, for me, everything to do with remembering who we really are and repairing or restoring any harm that we have caused to others in an overt way or in, in a subtle way. And, um, you know, I think Buddhist practices and meditation and prayer and all of those kinds of things actually are a restorative practice to me. And especially when you think about the essential element of uh, peace building beginning with an individual, with ourselves, how do we come back into that right relationship with, with ourselves and one another? And so that's a huge emphasis of the work that I'm doing with young people is helping them to uncover, um, you know, what their part is in it, what the impact was, what need were they trying to meet in, in what it is that they did, whether it's, uh, you know, a fight or using drugs or, you know, some other kind of crime those kinds of things for them to raise awareness. So the whole concept of emotional intelligence, intelligence is a huge part of my work in supporting people to become more self-aware and to recognize their choices and to understand that their motivation and inspiration is central to living in a peaceful world that people who are really passionate and clear about what they want to create are much more likely to, to contribute and serve others. And also how to uh, understand feelings and needs and be able to translate that into empathy for themselves and others. And so those are, those are kind of guiding principles of the work that we do with all people, not just uh, young people, but adults as well. And so as an example um, of one of those programs, we developed a curriculum called Communication and Self-Esteem, and we um, did this partly in collaboration with the, um, the state attorney's office. We have a huge ally who is a relatively new friend to us, Gretchen Casey of, of Gainesville, and um, we shared our vision and the work that we do, and she said, what about offering that to young people who are on probation? And so it evolved and is, is now in practice where we offer a seven, um, a seven classes, one hour a week, um, to young people who have various levels of, of um, community service hours to perform. And I asked these, these the, there happen to be all boys in this group from 14 to 18-year-olds, predominantly African-American, which may not surprise most of us. And, um, you know, what, why are you here? And um, the majority of the cases with these young people coming were for fighting and some drug use and selling and things like that. And when I talked to them about the impact of what their behavior was and, and what the cost might be, it was really profound to hear that their, their desire for freedom 
and to travel and to have a job. And <clears throat> one guy just said to chill. He just wants to chill out, <laughs> you know. And and these young men um, are are just longing for the opportunity to be asked some of these real questions and have the mm. space to be able to share what's going on, what was the motivation for them. And so when we think about restorative practices, um, you know, inviting people into that space in a way that's, um, you know, in a language that they can understand and, a, and in humor is really helpful, but for, to give them that opportunity to recognize what they did and where they want to go and what the impact is on that. And so and Jeffrey, the, could you let, let me just say this me, one thing. The, yeah, the, go ahead. the, the um, Department of Juvenile Justice is so inspired about this idea that they're giving a 100% bonus uh, for the hours wow. that they give. So for the hour that they spend in class, they get two hours of credit, if they complete all seven classes, they get an additional five hours of bonus time because they recognize how important this is for, for people's um, healing and transformation and to really change their, their uh, behavior in that way. So we're really excited to be able to launch this in Gainesville, and, and uh, we anticipate it expanding significantly and very quickly. And and um, are, who are the the people who hold space with these youth and and otherwise? Do you have a staff of teachers or facilitators or what what form of? We're getting yeah. there. We're just we're young. We're little. We were one man yeah. show. <laughs> well, what are, well, well, a very what are capable one man show, I might add. But what our approach is um, are. Our plan is to really mentor uh, young people in particular. Our, our vision is to have a team of trainers that can respond and go into communities and offer workshops. Um, you know, and, and so we're looking for these young people who have been incarcerated or gone through different programs in the community that have come out and they've emerged with great strength and they have a willingness to learn. And, and so the, the model is to train the trainers. Basically, and to and to and talk about restoring and to you know they have jobs if they come out and they become peace builders and go back into their communities. It's kind of like the interrupters. I'm just realizing it's the same kind of model that we were thinking. We didn't even know it. So you know some of these kids that he works with, he's identifying as leaders, potential incredible leaders. That's the plan. Was the other thing that we are doing as we we are aware of a. Uh, you know the the lesser and the greater all the time is we are helping to make visible and viable a field of peace building that is just growing exponentially uh, in this country and around the world. Mm. I really appreciate too the the addressing of uh, I'm sure many people in the circle tonight and beyond uh, are aware probably or may not be um, of the reality. Of when uh, a person is in prison, um, if they first of all if they top out, which means if they go their full sentence, 
many of them are basically, once they've completed the sentence, simply drops on the curb. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really nothing out there for them. Mm-hmm. And so there's the situations that we've set up within this retributive, punitive system that um, create that cycle of what might be called samsara or recycling, uh, the self-fulfilling prophecy of recidivism. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I so appreciate the fullness of what River Phoenix Center for Peace Building is addressing here. It feels like a complete and holistic model that addresses it from all of the angles and possibilities. And I, I mean, even, even with uh, folks who've been incarcerated uh, who do not top out, still are up against very stringent and uh, high expectations plus stigma for, uh, for, their, for their crime. Mm-hmm. And um, in re-bridging back into the community, um, have have a lot stacked against them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was at a panel last mm-hmm. night of about 14 um, African-American youth who were at a black-on-black crime task force meeting, and they were answering questions about the impact of violence and the challenges that youth face. And this one young man said that he has a felony record, and he can't get a job, and and right. how difficult and kind of demoralizing that is. That here, so many people want to be able to to serve and contribute. It is a universal need for the vast majority of folks to be able to contribute. And if if they're limited in that way, then what are the alternatives? And the frustration com- is compounded and internalized and oftentimes comes out as, as uh, violence or uh, some other desperation. Well, we've got a, quite a few hands up. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and open up the lines. Saul, welcome. Thank you, thank you. And it's nice to be back uh, with you, Molly, and uh, especially with uh, Dot and, uh, and the Phoenix team. I um, uh, want to take this conversation in a slightly different direction, and... Uh, and that is to talk about the relationship between restorative justice or restorative practices and what has become known as environmental justice. Here, for example, in the city of Victoria, British Columbia, of about 350,000 people, we have a strong initiative to create Victoria as a city of peace, which I believe, well, Gainesville, whether it uses the name or not, is moving in that direction. And... Um, which involves all of those elements that you spoke about earlier, uh, including a proclamation, for example, of um, declaring the International Day of Peace as the the International Day of Peace in the city of Victoria, and um, dealing with the police, with with, uh, the the equivalent of the district attorney's office and so forth in our region. At the same time, we have a very large... uh, regional district here. And two-thirds of it is in a wild or semi-wild state. And it extends for an area, um, well, I, I, I can only put it in hectares, but I'll, I'll give you an idea. <laughs> uh, Please and, translate uh, for us. In miles, <laughs> in miles, but it, it extends, uh, at the wild area extends about 40 miles east and west and about 15 miles north and south. And um, 
we're in the process now as a citizens-based initiative of designing our own planning and zoning for this area uh, using uh, what we understand to be best practices and we have an, you know therefore engaged a, a very different community that actually is involved in peace building work directly or they don't see it that way mm-hmm. but in fact it is very much connected mm-hmm. because uh, I, I don't know where this phrase came from it might even been from me but we war against the environment as we war against ourselves Mm-hmm. And this, and we talked earlier in the, in the program about relationship, and relationship to the natural world, mm-hmm. uh, where we now have an opportunity, really as a as a it's a it's a local and regional initiative, but it is also at the same time global because it has implications for climate change, for example, mm-hmm. habitat protection, and so forth. So I'm interested in how you see it. Uh, in Gainesville, whether there is something uh, where you might even move or have moved, and I'd very much like to hear from you about this dimension of peace building. And before before that, Saul, do you have a place where our, our listeners could go to to find out more about this? This is a powerful connection and relationship that you're bringing up. Uh, the best... Like a website or... The best source is the website uh, of the uh, Sierra Club of British Columbia. And I think it's just Sierra Club BC. That's uh, BC for British Columbia. Sierra Club BC uh, CA. And I'll look this up as we're speaking to see whether I'm correct. But I believe that is. So uh, let's, let's, let's uh, hear from the folks over there. Thank you, Saul. Well, certainly. Um, go ahead, Dot. Yeah, go ahead, Dot. I was just going to say that certainly, um, and Saul, having uh, Saul and I have worked together uh, for quite some time with the Global Alliance, and Saul, appreciate your work very much on uh, the environment and uh, the papers that you've done, the white papers on climate change and peace and all of it. And uh, it makes me want to um, share the definition of peace from the Earth Charter. Uh, which I know many of us are familiar with also, that peace is the wholeness created by right relationships with oneself, other persons, other cultures, other life, earth, and the larger whole of which all are a part. And in the work that we're doing in Gainesville, we we don't separate out the the spheres, as Molly uh, intimated earlier. It's a very holistic approach, holistic systemic approach. Um, And so, yes, from personal to social, uh, right through to ecological. And uh, as we build relationships more and more with the various groups, that will indeed be part of the conversation. Our personal environment, our school climate, our actual literal uh, environment that we live in, and how we address all of that based on the practices and principles of peace building. Yes. Thank you. You know, I think the relationship that people have with the environment is in many ways more difficult to bridge than with each other. You know, so for me, the, the connection um, has been broken so, so profoundly or so unnurtured uh, n- between ourselves and the natural world. The, the, we are so far removed through the technological um, developments and advancements that 
for people to really uh, understand how important supporting and nurturing and saving and protecting the natural world is. Um, you know, I just applaud what you're doing, Saul, out there in in Canada. That's really, really vital work and something that I've I've worked with some over the years. And it truthfully is a part of our mission um, around peace building and global sustainability. And 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 to be honest, it's something that we're growing into slowly. So would love your partnership and support any any way you can over the years um, to to feed us in, in some of those things. Mm-hmm. But here in Gainesville, um, as I'm sure in, in uh, Vancouver, because that's a, a, a big city, that uh, so many people are operating at a deficit in terms of some of their basic needs being met. And, um, and, and so to protect natural spaces, fortunately, is a priority of a small group of people, but it's not widely uh, considered or it's not on people's radar when they don't have food to eat or there's violence in their neighborhoods. And, and so um, thank God that we have people who have passion in different areas is, is really what I would say is, is that people who are passionate about working with the environment, you know, we need you and people who are, who are working in communities to reduce violence or homelessness or these other issues. It's a multi-pronged approach for sure. Um, and, and to help create programs where people come together and experience themselves in relationship with the natural world is something that I personally have been doing for years. I I was an outward bound instructor and led trips for many, many years. So um, I just uh, applaud you and and know that it's a a vital element uh, locally and internationally that that you're Mm. doing. I also would like to just... um, bring to the forefront what Saul's bringing up to me reminds us of uh, the natural world um, and Mother Earth being a mirror um, not only in and of herself but also uh, my next uh, like circle of thought goes to the indigenous practices and wisdoms and, and also uh, out to the fact that what Saul's bringing up um, is an, is that we are forming unlikely partnerships mm-hmm. more and more, it seems, towards this uh, coming home to truth, and hopefully sooner than later, um, you know, in the imminency of, of these times. So um, thank you so much, Saul, for being here tonight and for your work uh, as an international peace builder and for the initiatives of peace cities of peace and uh, internationally that you and, and Penny both are doing up there in Victoria. Mm. Uh, I just, I'd like to open up the line um, for another question to Eric. Welcome, Eric. Hi, Molly. How are you doing? Good. Good. Great. Thanks Great for this to wonderful... see you here. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Very okay. well. Thanks. Thanks for this wonderful call and for letting us all be a part of it. And hi, um, Dot and Hart and everybody else, I'm grateful that you took the time to talk to us. Um, Basically, um, last September 11th, um, 
Molly helped me, actually our wonderful hostess, helped me create a conference at UC Berkeley called the Imagine Peace Conference. And it was great. It was a wonderful experience. It was great. Like we felt we were proud of what we did. But afterwards, people were saying, are you going to do another one next year? And I thought, maybe not, because it was suddenly clear to me after we did it that it had some flaws that were pretty big. For one thing, it was only in one location. For another thing, another, if people wanted to go to it, it cost them a lot of money. The price of the event was cheap compared to the cost of travel and hotel, right? And bringing in speakers, oh my goodness. And so the risk of it was huge. Um, we probably lost five or $6,000 when all was said or done. And how many people can really lose that much and, and afford to duplicate something like that? So I thought it's, it's too localized. It's too hard to get to, it's too limited in scope, and it's too risky. And so I thought, well, we wouldn't do that again next year, but what would we do? And the idea that popped into my head was 100 peace conferences. So <laughs> working back from a crazy idea like that, I thought, well, in order to do that, we'd have to take out all the financial risk. We'd have to make it something that anybody could do in their living room like invite people over for potluck <laughs> and have a speaker or stream something or a DVD or a workshop or an experience that would be part of it. Um, so very inexpensive, low risk. It'd have to be bite-sized so Joe the plumber or the neighbor could do it. And it'd have to be sustainable because part of the problem was it was only for one day. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you do the other 364 days of the year? And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, what if we had a peace conference every month for 12 months. So it would be a 12-month peace conference. And so that's the idea right now that I call 100 peace conferences. But it would be local and global. And if we just had two homes or two living rooms per state, that's 100 before we even go international. So I have no idea how to carry it from UC Berkeley to the nation or to the world. And I would love to get your thoughts and advice for how we can take it to the next step and make it part of 2012 since this is the year, Dot. I agree with you. This is the year, Eric, and thank you. Thank you for the Imagine Peace Conference and for your not only good work but good wishes for all of us. Uh, And perhaps you're familiar with something that just happened the last couple of weekends, actually, the Better World Forum uh, hosted by We the World, and they took their conference completely virtual. And, and from all over the world uh, with circles and speakers and panels and the, the whole bit. And it actually worked quite well. There's wow. also, uh, yes, there's also a uh, kind of a massive groups working with groups piece that all of us are part of, including the River Phoenix Center and the National Peace Academy and others, uh, and globally lots and lots of groups, the focal point being uh, September 11th, uh, 11 Days of Global Unity leading up to September 21st, the International Day of Peace, sandwiched by a Summer of Peace uh, hosted by the Shift Network and Push for Peace, pushnumber4peace.org, 90 days of uh, peace action leading up to December 22nd, birth 2012. So there's, and then there's global concerts. There's so many things happening. And one of the things that will be announced at Rio Plus 20 uh, is take the pledge, exclamation point. And so this, Eric, you might consider this for your idea to plug into all of this, and I'm happy to have a conversation mm. offline with you. But take the pledge. I, com- I commit to taking an action for peace in 2012. If mm. one billion of us on the planet actually do that, we are the tipping point. And, Dot, is there a place, uh, is that the Rio Plus 20 site that 
that people can uh, go to to find out more? Actually, for this particular one, you can go to either summerofpeace.org or pushnumberforpeace.org. Oh, great. Yes. And Push for Peace actually is on Twitter and on Facebook as well as the River uh, Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding is on Facebook. And do you have a Twitter account up and running for the center? Yeah, we do. It's uh, RPCP Peace. RPCP Wonderful. Peace. Wonderful. Mm. So we are we're coming close to wrapping tonight. Um, it's gone by very fast, and I'd just like to turn our attention to perhaps the natural rhythm of where we've, we've journeyed together tonight, um, and that would be towards the, just the vision and what that might look like to each of you for, and obviously you're helping in immense ways to create the structural aspects of, of this vision and of these practices that are nothing new uh, termed restorative justice. And, and uh, in my humble opinion, restorative justice is a bridge even towards uh, from the punitive and retributive aspects of justice into a unitive uh, consciousness and systemic change. And I'm just wondering if, if each of you could share a little bit and even you know, some of those, those of us who are on tonight together what would this? What's what is this going to look like um, when it's fully systemized? What's your vision for that, and how will it feel? And and any of the qualities that it takes to hold um, restorative circles and practices I might mention some of those as well. Mm -hmm. That's a big a question. It's a beautiful question, a beautiful image. I, 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 you know, I can just say that I went. They wanted me for jury duty a few years ago, and um, I went in and they asked, you know, the questions. And I said, you know, well, quite honestly, I see everyone as innocent, and I don't know how I could serve you. And and I think that's what it would look like for me. It would look like everybody would see the core of who we really are, uh, eliminating all the cultural and. Things that that and the, the needs that hadn't been met and all those different things. So, uh, if that's what you're talking about, that's what I'm talking about. You know, a way that we would see the sacredness of who we are. We are the earth. We are the stars. We are the oak tree. We are one, uh, and we are we are just magic and miraculous. And heart full circle. You began tonight. Um, it's such a beautiful opening, and you spoke to motherhood and the the blessing of of motherhood and the quality of of uh, that's seemingly inherent of the feminine uh, the the mother, the great mother of us all, and to see what those eyes seems to correlate and to to feel with that heart seems to correlate with where where we're striving to come back home together in this way. Um, I was just on a, a conversation the other day with a fellow doing a lot of work in empathy in, in the world. And, and uh, of course, Franz de Waal um, did many studies scientifically with the bonobos and with, you know, otherwise in, in our wiring 
um, being naturally wired towards empathy. And I think of, of uh, a, a more restorative system being uh, directly correlated with this, uh, this feeling um, and sensorial of, of, of what it must be like to be a mother um, of, of everyone, as you said in the opening tonight. Um, and being able to see from a larger story perspective, the meta story of our humanity and, and the individual roles that we play in this coming home to ourselves. And indigenous have practiced restorative justice for so many, so many hundreds, if not thousands of years. And they've taught us um, in, in, in their stories, in their ways, that we are singing the song of ourselves back to each other, aren't we? <laughs> nice, nice. Mm, wow. Beautiful. Wow. I believe that it's possible, uh, that peace is possible. I, I am totally convinced. that, and, and our approach and our vision is for everyone to learn to resolve conflicts through healthy communication in relationship. And that that, that is a critical component in breaking the cycle of violence and creating a safer community where where people's needs are met and and joy is just flowing like a river. <laughs> mm. And and for me as I take in what uh, actually what all three of you have now shared I, it's an actual infrastructure for peace where the the public and political support is there, where we, it is such a cultural norm that, of right relationship that the roles and responsibilities throughout the community are so focused and fostered through the principles and practices of cooperation and diversity and uh, inherent authenticity and honesty, uh, and that everyone shares that uh, and in the spirit of the North American First Nations communities that have demonstrated for how long that all local citizens are welcome to speak about anything and everything uh, because we are all in this together, that that has become such a way of life that we are no longer on calls uh, and teleconferences and conferences and everything else together um, saying with about talking about the tipping point or what's possible, but that we are actually living the new story. Mm. And then let's well, roll that I, out. <laughs> yes, let's roll it out. And thank you, uh, the three of you, and and also just acknowledging that there's there's also other members of the river Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding on staff, and I want to thank them and acknowledge them as well tonight for rolling up your sleeves and for really putting into action these principles. Um, the Dalai Lama, of course, our, our friend, it, it always says that it's not enough to have compassion, but compassion and action combined can pretty much move mountains. <laughs> mm. So. Oh. I just I just thank you three so much and for the wider global circle that has been with us tonight for your wonderful questions and comments and uh, I wish we could continue on further but uh, this recording will be posted very shortly at mollyrowanpresents.com 
And I also would love to draw your attention to the fact that uh, the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding's website is again at centerforpeacebuilding.org. They have a Facebook page as well. Please go like it and check out their events calendars. And we'll look forward too to staying in touch with you all and to connecting with you in, in all the ways we can and hearing more about this community model that you're building so brilliantly. And, so thank and Molly, you so much, everybody. Molly, as we close, <laughs> yeah. and you, did, you dedicated this to River, this call to River, and might we close with River's words? If I have some celebrity, Please. I, yes. if I if I have some celebrity, I hope I can use it to make a difference. The true social reward is that I can speak my mind and share my thoughts about the environment and civilization itself. And his legacy lives on throughout this center, and throughout all of the good work. And thank you, everyone on the call, for all the good work that's going on. Mm. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Molly. Thank you. And have a wonderful rest of your evening, everyone. Until next time. Thank you, Molly. Blessings. May peace prevail. May peace prevail. Good night. Good night.